Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. BetOnline.ag here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Baseball season is upon us and Mets baseball is back. BetOnline is your fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. And it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag and use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Believe in New York Football Podcast. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and, of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, rate, and subscribe. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez with a double underscore. We have a great show for you guys today. Bill Campy is stopping by, and boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about. I didn't think we would have a lot to talk about, but we are going to dive into all of this Julian Edelman for Hall of Fame talk and why it's disrespectful to put him and Eli Manning in the same sentence. We'll also break down some of the best and worst picks of the Giants NFL draft history. And we talk about some players from the past. We go back to the future and add some players from the past to the current Giants and Jets depth charts. But let's get right into it and waste no time. Without further ado, here he is, Bill Campy. All right. Now, as always, I have the great pleasure of welcoming on Bill Campy. And Campy, second week in a row, we were coming in to the Tuesday show here. Well, we record Tuesday. This obviously comes out on Wednesdays when you guys will be listening to it. We didn't know what we talk about. We wanted to be creative. We're like, oh, this is, you know, kind of a dry news day. You know, not a, not a great news week. The draft, obviously, at the end of the month. So we're like, let's be creative. Let's do some oldies for the Giants and Jets. Let's look at some former draft picks. And then, bam. Yesterday hits us, and God, you know, people deserve to lose their Twitter accounts after some of the shit I saw yesterday. But before we go into that, how are you doing? How, how's everything with you? I don't want to get too out of here, but how how are you doing? Are you okay? No, I'm I'm doing great. I feel like freaking Walter Sobchak from Big Lebowski. Like, am I the only one that gives a shit about the rules? Everyone gone crazy? Like, I don't understand how this conversation even came about. I don't get, there is no merit to it. There are countless amounts of players that have not made it in the Hall of Fame, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. The, you know, the Hall of Fame is meant for greatness as an individual. It's not meant as – it's not a team thing. If it was, you know, the Hall of Teams, then we can have a different conversation. But Hall of Fame, 
is for greatness as an individual in your sport. I don't get this whole thing with Edelman. I, I, I think it's it's a laughable uh, argument, in my opinion. Well, and there's Andy, so many different ways to go about it. Before we even dive all the way into it, th- this is the issue to start. It, and, like, it's funny how every Hall of Fame is freaking different. Like, the MLB, you can't even get in. The, the basketball, anyone gets in. And, like, I feel like the NFL has some integrity where it is greatness, like you said. And I hate when the conversations come about where it's like, you make it about guys who had really good NFL careers. I mean, you can look at the numbers and the reason why like people who enter the league end up on their ass and with nowhere to go so early in the career because longevity in the NFL is hard enough. That's hard enough. And so you're going to discredit now. Like Julian Edelman, you can make a movie with a story. Sure. Undrafted, former quarterback, seventh round pick. That's all great and fantastic. He had an an, an amazing career has several rings but but at the amazing end, amazing look Let's you ride the coattails of tom brady you've been in some big games like you know what i mean he had a great catch right. in super bowl history i'm trying to compliment compliment him as much as possible before people think there's just bias into it and i didn't even want to go into this you texted me yesterday you're like this edelman stuff's going on i was like yeah like we could touch on it and then and the main tweet I saw came from a guy I used to work with, a co-worker of mine, Dan Canova. Dan's over at Fox. Dan, I love you, bud. But this was a bad take. This was just an overall bad take. You can't compare the two. Don't bring Eli Manning into this. Why does Eli Manning, whenever someone makes a case for the Hall of Fame, have to be the guy? It makes no sense. And everyone who keeps saying, well, we're basing it off playoffs. We're basing it off like." Patriots fans, who the fuck said that the Giants and Eli Manning are only like Eli Manning is going to the uh, to the Hall of Fame based on the Giants postseason success? I, I mean, that, sure, a little bit, but they made it twice, three times in his career. That's not enough success. He just won the Super Bowls when he made it. It's ridiculous that you can discredit. He was a man of the year. Okay, Walter Bain, man of the year, was a consensus first overall pick. He's a fucking Manning. Okay, is top ten in passing yards and touchdowns. I don't give a shit if he was never an MVP caliber. Suck my dick. In 2011, he had no offensive line, a terrible defense that people still hype up way too much. Way too much. I still see PFF to this day. 2011's defense. What was the best defense of the last decade? Are you are you high? Eli Manning is the reason the Giants won the Super Bowl in 2011. It was his best all-around season, and still people don't give him credit for it because they just think it's easy to pick on him because he has a stupid face. Well, guess what? That's our stupid face. It's our Hall of Fame stupid face, and everyone needs to fucking relax with comparing Eli to every person who should get in the Hall of Fame. There are different positions, and there's so many ways to go about it, but I need to leave with the Eli intro. Obviously, it's the New York thing, and... I, I want to get into the actual semantics of it with Edelman and looking at it from the outside in, but to compare it to Eli Manning was just a step too far. And there weren't even enough words for me to get on Twitter to say, I just laughed from afar. Like, I, like, I feel like what, what you're feeling, like, am I the only one that's like <laughs> looking at this the same way? But I, I know you were on the lines defending it too, but absolutely insane. Absolutely insane and insulting. It's insulting. It, 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 it is. It is. I don't understand how you compare quarterback to receiver. And it, yeah, Edelman won a Super Bowl MVP. That's all fine and dandy. So what? Malcolm Smith ultimately has a 
rate a you know a great shot now at making Dion Hall Branch. Of Fame. Dion right. fucking Branch. Let's give Dion Branch the Hall of Fame. Like, too. I don't like good Super Bowl MVP is a is a great accolade to have. You know, he had some great moments in the playoffs, but there's it's 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 apples and oranges. It's apples and oranges when you have Eli Manning and Julian Edelman. The quarterback in general is just a position that's held above every other in in football. That's why, you know, quarterback is is a is a position that's going to be favored in the Hall of Fame, right? I don't think you can you can't deny Eli's going to get in the Hall of Fame. Maybe he's not a first ballot, but I I think he I, I think he will wind up being. Maybe he's not though. So Ben Roethlisberger is going to get in the Hall of Fame, and I think Philip Rivers is going to get in the Hall of Fame. I think all three of them are going to go because they're quarterbacks and they were they finished in the top ten in their respective categories. All right, and you could argue about all three of them being top five quarterbacks at some point in their careers for probably two, three year period. Now, between the competition that they were playing against, you got Breeze, you got Rodgers, you got Brady, uh, Favre even, you know, so you have great competition at that point in time in all their careers. There's a place where they all make it. I truly think all of them will make it. Um, despite Rivers, no, you know, no real playoff success and Manning, you know, being seen as this guy that just got all this, all this hype. And he's the only reason he's in, even in the conversation is because of the two rings. And then Roethlisberger, well, if you say that about Manning, then Roethlisberger won his two rings very early on in his career. Yep. And that first one certainly was, wasn't because of his not for performance. Nothing, that man. was a lot of the team. And look at the Steelers success being contingent on, on Roethlisberger. Eli, Never missed a game on his own will. They took him out. He should still be the NFL Iron Man. Phillips there now, but it there's something to be to be said about that alone. The fact right. that you're gonna start for that long. People Favre, people look at Brett Favre as this aura of a guy. I, I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm young enough that I remember Favre infamously was terrible in the postseason. I've seen some of the worst throws by a quarterback by Brett Favre. In the postseason, just giving away the game for his teams once was against the Giants in 07. But at the end of the day, like, it's just mind-boggling to me that, again, like, we have to diminish players to bring up other players. Like, Eli's the one guy. And look back to one of the earlier episodes in here for the listeners. I I had a whole episode on Eli going to the Hall of Fame when he retired. The Troy Aikman defense, basically comparing him to Troy Aikman what he had around him. If Troy's in, I think Eli's in no problem, so on and so forth. But Eli's the one guy that I'm just tired of not getting credit. Uh, Like enough, dude, the guy's been out the league for a year and you're going to compare him to a guy who wasn't even Brady's best go-to target. (laughs) We we talked about it before air, but literally Wes Welker was Julian Edelman before Julian Edelman and did it better. He did it better for longer. It's, I do, like, so, and I hate it. I don't want to discredit a guy who went from quarterback to fucking receiver and managed to make a career out of it, but it doesn't mean he's a Hall of Famer. That's not what gets you into the freaking NFL Hall of Fame. That's ridiculous. You, ridiculous. you can have a successful career and not wind up in the Hall of Fame. Just because you retire and you had a good career doesn't mean that you are just totally, you're in the conversation right away. And you know what? I blame some of these delusional Patriot fans who have seen nothing but success 
and they think that, I don't know, I feel like they're spoiled. They, they feel like, oh, my guy won these rings. My guy deserves to be in the hall. Some of these people just saying like, oh, I can't wait to see you in a gold jacket. Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? He does not get in a jacket. There's no reason that that guy deserves a, a, a gold jacket in Canton. It, it, out of all these other individuals that have missed or have not been given the, ability, uh, the opportunity to do so. Yes, he's won rings. Yes, he's been on some great teams. Yes, he also caught passes from Tom Brady. But just for the listeners, okay, right? If you have not seen the stat line for Edelman, something that you got to know, all right? 137 games total, all right? You have 620 receptions, 6,822 yards, 36 TDs in the regular season. Everyone's bringing up the playoff numbers, okay? He played 19 games in the playoffs. Started, I believe, 16 of them, all right? 118 receptions, 1,442 yards, and I believe seven total TDs, five receiving, one passing, one special team uh, TD. So he played a full season of playoff games, more than a full season of playoff games. So his numbers better be good. I hope they're good. You know, when you play 19 freaking games, you better have some pretty good numbers. So to just say that, oh, oh, and the seven touchdowns out of 19 games. So he was so prolific in these games. It's a silly argument. It's a silly argument. There are so many different players that have better stats, were more of an impact. You were bringing up Wes Welker. Okay. Wes Welker played 93 games for the Patriots. Mm -hmm. So he played many more for, you know, for the Broncos and so on. He played 93 games and the Dolphins, the 93 Dolphins, games right? for the Patriots. Yeah. 672 receptions, 7,459 yards, 37 TDs. So he got all those stats, better stats in 40 less games, more than 40 less games. Yeah. His touchdowns and, aren't there. That's the only number. Yeah, that's I want, I want to see what let's see the, you know, let's see Patriots fans. I would, you have a much better case of Wes Welker in the Hall of Fame yep. than you do Edelman. And I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that argument as much as I hate the Edelman argument. Nope. I, I just don't I get this, this recency bias. It's ridiculous. I don't understand how they can just nonchalantly say the words, if you consider Eli, you have to consider Edelman. No, you don't. That is crazy. And just, oh, right. my God. God, it just what needs to happen is for all these freaking fans out there, we need to have a NFL playoff Hall of Fame. We can add Hakeem Nicks to it. We can add all these great players that have really good spurts and help their teams get to Super Bowls and win Super Bowls. But Joe Flacco could be a part of it. Let's get Trent Dilfer sure. in there. It's it's Throw like Devin Hester in there too. De Devin Hester. It, it's like yeah, Jacoby Jones. Let's go through all of them. Yes. All all these unsung heroes in the playoffs, but. Tory Smith, which is naming the Ravens, but it's like literally, like I can think of these guys, they spurt into your head. It's like, yeah, yeah, they had a great and memorable postseason. Good. Malcolm Butler. That's, that's great. <laughs> Malcolm Butler, you 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 won an award in a game. Like, that's fantastic. But like, I mean, we've played sports all our lives. Like, I, I mean, even outside of football, it's like just because you win a trophy and something, just because you're the MVP 
of the midseason tournament, you know, or even the biggest game doesn't mean you were the MVP of your team, even at the time. You see what Malcolm Butler, so just because Edelman won that MVP, I mean, especially that Super Bowl, argument's sake, he wasn't even the most valuable player on the team there. He just had a really big catch. James White had an outstanding Super Bowl in that Super Bowl. Brady brought him fucking back. So I, and again, I hate that I have to discredit people on a big stage, but it's like, it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. The numbers don't line up. And then let's even look at it. If we want to talk about it now, there are established like top 15 receivers. There is a guy, and I know you have other guys, but my favorite growing up, I remember him, Torrey Holt. Torrey Holt is one, the only wide receiver on the 2000s all decade team that's not even in the Hall of Fame. He was on the all decade team for the 2000s with Randy, who else? Like established wide receivers. Yeah, and he didn't even make it. And you want to, you want to talk Julian Edelman? When was Julian Edelman top 20 in this season? Even in fucking fantasy. Let's talk fantasy numbers. When you looked at the Patriots, you're like, oh, well, we got to, we got to find a way to bracket Julian Edelman today. I mean, come on, dude. It's, 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 it's absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. No, I mean, obviously the guys that I bring up too, I try to make it like close. Let's try to make it close to, you know, maybe Edelman in his, his games and his, just his actions as a player. Right. So the two I keep bringing up and they're really from the late eighties and nineties and that's Sterling Sharp for the Packers and Herman Moore for the Lions. Sterling Sharp sat one. He played 112 games, not a very long career, but he balled out every season. All right. 595, 595 receptions, 8,134 yards, 65 TDs. Okay. Herman Moore, 145 games, 670 receptions, 9,174 yards, 62 TDs. These guys have 50-plus TDs, all right? That's huge. They're impact receivers. They are guys that were considered at any point in time top five at their position. They were also statistically top five at their position at any given point in time in their careers, okay? They don't have a Super Bowl ring. Does that mean that they, that if we were starting a team today that I wouldn't start Sterling Sharp or Herman Moore or pick one of those two over Julian Edelman? Uh, I would pick them in a heartbeat over Julian Edelman. They are better receivers. They had better careers. It's, it's a silly argument. Julian Edelman was good at what he did. He fit perfectly in the Patriots system. He's a consummate professional. Okay. Did all those things. Did get popped for PEDs the year he won Super Bowl MVP. Let's not forget that. There, yeah. Yeah. So that to come up. Great story. Great career. Best of luck. Do whatever's next for you. That's that's all you can say. You can have a good career and be well-known and in the circle of Patriots fans. You know what? He probably get his, he could even get his number retired in the ring of honor for the, at Foxborough. Probably warranted, but you ain't going to the hall of fame, buddy. No, sir. The underlining thing is that the Patriots fans are salty. The reason they got to bring up Eli is because they're salty that Eli took away the perfect season. I get it. I'd still cry about it, too. I mean, they have nothing to hold on to now. Brady's gone. He already discredited uh, discredited them. He won a Super Bowl in in Tampa, so that must hurt. Gronk is there. I wouldn't be surprised if Edelman unretires and goes there, too. I mean, seriously, 
It's like the Patriots are in Tampa now, so they're just getting butthurt about it, and they're defending the wrong people. I didn't see this for Wes Welker, so that's why I'm kind of, you know, thrown back by it. It's like Julian Edelman? Like, we're talking about the same guy, right? Julian Edelman, right? Like, we're not talking about the Patriots Hall of Fame. Patriots Hall of Fame, sure, go ahead. But come on now. And the thing with Sharp, too, I love. I mean, obviously, his career got ended short. And I say the same thing for Welker, too. God knows what he could have done if he had, didn't deal with those concussions. He still dealt with concussions worse than anyone I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, from a receiver position, too. Like, linebacker, sure. But, fuck it, he was a receiver guy. More concussions than anyone ever seen. Sharp played seven seasons, five-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, led in receptions three times, two-time receiving touchdown leader. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. <laughs> he led, yeah. the, led the league in receiving one season. Like, And, again, in a short time span, he had Julian Edelman's career – in, in half the time. He had 18 touchdowns in a season. It's And again, I just roll it back to, because everyone wants to, and the, the reason, I know you can circle back to what I said. It's like, when was Edelman ever a top 20? Everyone says, well, Eli was never top five. Eli was never, he was, no, he was. You just don't want to recognize it because you'd like, you'd like to look down and talk shit on him. And I understand he had his interception numbers, but if you were a giant fan and you look back at those teams and what was assembled around him, Half the time, he's throwing at dudes who are catching with their chest and the ball's going into the air. I mean, the Evan Ingrams, the Evan Ingrams of the world aren't new to Giant fans. Like, those unlucky bounces happened Eli's entire career. His right. entire career. It's, it's not even – it's not even – the argument isn't necessarily that he didn't have top five numbers. It's that he's in the conversation. Edelman is on an island 3,000 miles away from being in the conversation of a top 20 receiver in the league. Mm-hmm. There, he has no business, none whatsoever. He could, he is a cannonball. He's been shot in a rocket. There's no reason that he should be anywhere close to that conversation. And he never was. I would love to see he, the smirk on Brady's face. If someone asked him this question, I'm sure he would, he, oh, he would troll everybody. And he oh would my God. Like it, it would be, it would be just, Oh God. And I mean, like, that, that's a, that's the thing too in my head like all these different takes i gotta think that there's a good amount of people trolling but also just it it just doesn't compute and there are some that are adamant about these guys and it makes no sense they mean no like there are like dude's got blue check marks several blue check marks i saw out there trying to put it all on the line okay go ahead put it on the line but like when you're trying to hold that statute of, of like you know, I'm talking sports. I'm here. This is what I'm doing. And you put out some garbage like that. Troll or not, understand that, that shit's bad. I mean, it's, it's bad. The of, the- it's the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Mediocre. It's bad. Like, uh, he, he had great moments. He was never top class. Here, here's one more for you, okay? Just to really stir the pot here. I'm a Jets fan. You're a Giants fan. All right? I'm going to read you a stat line about a Giants receiver in the last 20 years. All right, here you go. 190 games, 668 receptions, 9,497 yards, 54 TDs. Any idea who that might be? Hmm. Well, it's got to be two guys. I know Odell's way past him in receiving, but the games put that behind him. So it's got to be either Amani. It's probably Amani Toomer. No? Amani Toomer. Yeah. Anybody, any Giant fan losing their shit over Amani Toomer not being in the Hall of Fame? Didn't think so. Nothing about right. Tumor. Pretty damn good postseason in 2007. Let's throw him yeah. in that postseason Hall of Fame too. Right, right. They so, Dallas. hey, if we're if we're gonna equate everybody because whatever, it's just ridiculous. And for for my Jets fans out there, 
something very interesting. Okay. Uh, a gentleman played 153 games, 674 receptions, <clears throat> 8,609 yards, 49 TDs total in his, in his Jets career, 105 games, 459 receptions, 5,941 yards, 37 TDs, still more than Edelman. Lavernius Coles. Anybody want to say that Lavernius Coles belongs in the Hall of Fame? No. And I like Lavernius Coles. But he ain't a Hall of Famer. No. And we can move on and we can agree with that. We all are rational. But because the Patriots are the anomaly of the century and they've had so much playoff success, we want to throw this guy in conversations with Sterling Sharp, Herman Moore, Rod Smith, Heinz Ward, Tory Holt, Calvin Johnson. But it can't be. And then the other thing is that, you know, for me, the only time I ever heard the ring debate, guy doesn't have a ring, you know, it starts to come into question, really with QBs. QBs are really like the whole thing. You always bring a Marino, fine, I get it. But if you like, especially as time has gone and Marino breaking the mold there, that's kind of gone out the window. I mean, because people used to give Peyton shit, I remember, at his time because he couldn't get over the hump when he was in the playoffs. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. No one would say that Peyton's not going to go to Hall of Fame if he never actually won a Super Bowl. So, so that was just that. But, you know, it's a big question for QBs, and it's because it's a completely different position. And Eli right. did it twice. Right. So it's – No, it's, 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 a, it's a silly – He didn't even win by himself. I, I mean, come a, on. There are – you want to talk different positions? Patrick Willis and Luke Keekley have more uh, deserved to be in the Hall of Fame far hand head over oh, heels yeah. over Julian Edelman. Yeah. They're linebackers. Neither of them got a ring. No. No. Oh, and trust me, no one's no one's going to be behind you. You know I'm a linebacker guy. If I have a case with Willis, because, I mean, growing up, for me, watching the Niners with Bowman and Willis, I mean, Willis was something, you know, was something on his own. And even with Keekley, different position, they had to get their shit cut short. I was happy to see personally uh, someone who's going to get in in Megatron. He took his career into his own hands and ended it short too. Still had incredible numbers, obviously. But, you know, I hope that we start to look at players' body of work. Not like, again, at football, of all sports, I think the longevity in football is the most impressive part of it if you can achieve success and be good and just have a career over a significant period of time that's already an accomplishment but like some of these guys who who are just so dominant even the sharps of the world you're an all pro you're a pro bowler five of the seven able body years you're in the league like leading the leading the league in statistic after statistic needs to be taken into account more if like oh he didn't play 10 years like it's not like it was his choice you know what i mean like he should these are still hall of fame caliber players and when i look at it from a linebacker standpoint that's a position you got to look at completely differently especially a guy like keekley that if you talk to anyone who who watched football over the time span luke keekley was there he was the middle linebacker of the nfl and so you know people need to be treated as such such certain positions need to be treated that way but i'm sorry julian edelman not one of those guys (laughs) not a chance no, it's it's a silly argument. It's unfortunate. Look, man, I agree with you with the shortened careers. I mean, Gail Sayers played seven seasons. Mm-hmm. All right. The, you can be prolific and impactful in a shortened career, right? Megatron got in. Barry Sanders retired early. 
Gail Sanders, Sayers retired early. Sterling Sharp was forced to retire because of uh, injuries. You have Luke Keekley, Willis, same idea. Mm-hmm. Those guys need to get more recognition and more pull in this conversation than Julian Edelman, who, because he's got a couple rings and he got a Super Bowl MVP at receiver, who and he can't sniff the top 100 in, re- in receiving in terms of yards, receptions. Yeah, he's probably up there in like top 50 or 75, or oh, whatever 75, it is. 75, he's 75th. 75, whatever. So, so doesn't matter. He ain't it. Nope. Let's be better. Let's let's try to have a higher criteria. Let's just be better. Uh, I also want to what it's all about. Back. It's Marvin Harrison, Randy Moss, and T.O. Pretty good three people alongside Tory Holt on that all-decade team. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good three all-famers. They're, they're okay. Yeah. Slightly above average. Reggie Wayne isn't in there yet either. I don't know if he's eligible yet. I don't know if he got it. I, I don't know the deal with Reggie Wayne. I saw someone losing their mind on Twitter about that too. I mean. Ocho Cinco has a better case than Edelman <laughs> by far. Yeah. TJ Hootsmanzada has a better case. Yes. <laughs> I would put TJ in over freaking Edelman. Absolutely. It's completely different positions. And like, especially receiver, man, uh, it's, yeah, it's such a, it's such a specific position. Like it, like, it's something above itself. Like you, like receivers, you got to be putting up on godly numbers, like out the gates to really right. like have a case. And Edelman never did that once. So mm-hmm. Postseason aside, you can put him next to Jerry Rice in the postseason conversation, but let's put him next to Jerry Rice in the real world conversation, and it's embarrassing. Postseason conversation still, like like I said at the very beginning of this, he played 19 postseason games. He better have a thousand yards receiving in 19 games. Yep, that's not hard. That is not difficult. That's just opportunity. Yeah, that's I like wish. people would kill for that. A fraction of absolutely. that, absolutely, of those. One postseason run, people would kill for a guy. Got absolutely. So, uh, no, 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 no. I was just gonna say, it's half these guys are lucky to get three postseason games. This guy got 19. Yeah, his stats better be good. It's just, it's infuriating. Yeah, it no, it's my, it's mind numbing. It really is mind numbing. The numbers are just so bad. It's really not even a conversation. It's not, that's what does, it doesn't make sense to me. It's not a conversation. It's an argument. Spoiled, spoiled like, Patriots fans. People are like, no, it's worth an argument. No, it just is an argument. It's literally like when, when you're arguing with an ex-girl or, or, or like your current girlfriend and you just know at the end of the day, it's one of those situations where you're right. And the only way the conversation will end is if you're just like, okay, you can, like, you can have this one. Like, but this isn't one of those situations because it's a fucking Hall of Fame. So people aren't just going to be like, okay, you know this, what? Let's give Edelman the benefit of the doubt here. Let's just bite our tongues here and let it be. No. This is, this is not, this is not worthy of discussion. I don't get how this became a thing. It, it should not be a talking point. It shouldn't have even been brought up, but they decided to do it. And we all took the bait and that's just the way it is. Unfortunately, I think if you ask the rational football fan, you know, if you polled a hundred of them, I would assume that 80% of them would say Julian Edelman has no business being in the Hall of Fame. And the other 20%, well, hey, I'm trying to be, hey, I'm trying (laughs) to be giving here. Some people are, I started nice and now I'm just becoming, depending on how old the the fans are too, you never know. But it's just, uh, it's wor- it's worrisome. It just doesn't make sense. You 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 do question people's sanity when they when they do things like this. It's unfortunate. I feel no, I feel bad for him. Someone led him astray. And and for Patriots fans, I know you're going through a lot. Uh coming from Jets and Giants fans, 
sometimes it doesn't get better. And I know you want to hold on to those memories and defend your guys, but just pick the right ones. Pick the right ones. You, you like, you just come on, Edelman. You, you're better. You're better than that. You guys, you guys hold yourselves to such a high, to a, such a high standard, and, and then you lay some shit like that on us, and that, now you're starting to lose all that credit Tom Brady and Bill Belichick uh, built for you guys. So, uh, do better. Be better. Uh, pa- Patriots fans just need to get ready for hockey season and root for the Bruins because you got a lot more to look forward to with that. I, I, they, they got too much time in their hands if this is the hill they're going to die on. I mean, um, my goodness. And I was going to compare it to, I mean, the age thing, just to comp- completely get sidetracked real quick, but I was going to compare it to the Baseball Hall of Fame because DeGrom's 33 years old. He's the best pitcher in baseball, has been for five years. I'm a Mets fan. And, you know, he's not going to be able to touch the win numbers that normally – you know, meet the quota of the Hall of Fame and baseball is such a fucking stupid Hall of Fame anyways at this point because it's so old school. But still, again, longevity, what you've done over that time span, regardless of sport, should be held into account. Let's move on here because I know neither of us have too much time. Uh, and that was definitely more than the couple minutes I thought we'd rant on this topic, but I'm glad we touched on it. Um, let's see what we start with here. All right. You know what? Let's go with uh, the draft do's and don'ts here. The, you know, the booms and busts of the last, I guess, 20 years did we decide on? We're going to go with the 20? 20 years. All right. Well, so I told you I'm going to be biased here. Uh, we can start. Do you want to start with the bad? Do we, do we, so, easy. yeah, let's, let's obviously start with the bad. <laughs> it's easy. There's plenty bad to go around for the Jets, but absolutely start with the bad. We'll, we'll start with the bad here. Um, I'm going to get out some honorable mentions uh, real, real quick on the Giants. And uh, David Wilson. You know, people trash the Saquon Barkley pick. Don't draft a running back in the first well, uh, round. Well, they took David Wilson, 32 overall. Wasn't so great for the Giants. Wasn't so great. Uh, another honorable mention here, Eric Flowers. Now, I know he probably, if you asked me five years ago, who's my favorite to win this category, would have been Eric Flowers. But now I look back on it. Eric Flowers has been able to stay in the league. And I think the Giants did him dirty while he was there. Obviously not a tackle. Uh, was not a good pick. But who knows what he could have been as a guard. And he's doing it pretty well in Miami. So, uh, honorable mention there as well. And then, of course, we have DeAndre Baker, who probably should win this uh, place one season with the Giants. He's not in the league anymore. Uh, anyone who's followed this podcast, we covered that exclusively last year for obvious reasons. Uh, Baker, not a great one, but luckily we had three first round picks that year. So, uh, you know, two for three isn't too bad. Dexy uh, is doing pretty good and Daniel Jones. All right. So we have a two way tie here and they were back to back picks. Um, these are just two guys. One's still a current giant. Everyone will know I'll definitely trash him. So that's why this is a biased pick. But the other one I actually view as, um, you know, one of the Giants' worst picks. And it's why I have PTSD of them drafting corners. A two-way tie in 16 and 17. We've got Eli Apple and uh, Evan Ingram. Just Eli Apple. The, I know he's a Jersey guy. I've actually met him before. Not good. But we took him 10 overall. At Ohio State, again, have trust issues over Ohio State players. Actually, the only Ohio State player the Giants have drafted since 1984. So let's not do that again. Um, just not good. Gets toasted. The only times he didn't get toasted, he'd just give up a PI or a hold. I mean, his time with the Giants, I wouldn't even need to pull up the numbers. Just not good. Not good at all. And then Evan Ingram, it's just because this is just the bane of my existence. He's now coming up on a contract situation. We signed Kyle Rudolph. He's now no longer the best tight end on this team, not even by choice. They're going to try to make him the best tight end on this team. And the reason I'm just taking him as the worst pick and the worst bust is because he made the Pro Bowl last year, 
people in this organization view him as a Pro Bowl tight end, and he is not. He is not. We took him 23rd overall, and he is not amounted to even a hair, a fraction, aside from his rookie season, which he didn't even play the full 16 in, has not amounted to what a first-round pick should be. Last year was his only Pro Bowl season, and he literally was responsible for nine to ten interceptions. That is not a Pro Bowl season. Uh, you have a better case of saying Julian Edelman's in the Hall of Fame than telling me Evan Ingram was a Pro Bowl talent last year. I, I yeah, I was gonna say something <laughs> along those lines. I ain't gonna lie, I so, was gonna say that. This is more so. I want to say Eli Apple just because out of all of them, he just frustrated me the most. But Evan Ingram takes the cake here. It's a two-way tie, mainly because. Um, just, I don't know if we'll ever get rid of him. He's going to haunt us for years to come if we do re-sign him. And he'll become the biggest bust if we give him more money. The other guys we were able to get out of trade away. We had chances on Ingram. We haven't done it yet. Oh, God. Yeah. Baker was pretty bad, though. Baker, B- Baker, not great. Not great. B- Baker should have been a 1-1 here. But I'm going to go with some noteworthy guys that definitely had a little more longevity than DeAndre Baker. That one was too obvious. So feel free, jump in here. Uh, who do we got for the Jets? Who are we looking at? Oh, well, first of all, I, I think your selections were pretty good. Not yeah. going to lie. Uh, there's a lot to choose from as a okay. Jets fan in the last 20 years. Um, so in the bust category. So here's the thing. I might surprise some, some Jets fans, but basically it comes down to three names, in my opinion. Now, there's a fourth that is just awful, and he, he amounted to nothing. He was cut within, uh, I believe, two years, but that's D. Milner, and he was the first pick, I believe the ninth overall pick uh, in the 2013 draft. That's the draft that we got Gino in the second round, I believe. Um, two for two on and, that. Pretty good. That yeah. was a good start. Really good start. But we got Sheldon Richardson at 13, I believe. So, like – but you started with Milner. So he he actually didn't make it into the top three for me. He uh, I looked at the just who came afterward, and I didn't see anyone uh, in terms of like corners that were that had crazy good careers and so on. But he just flamed out so gloriously uh, that it was brutal to see. And, and, and so he he's he's bad, but he's not the worst. He's not the worst. Number three for me is uh, Darren Lee. All right. Darren Lee from the uh, 2016 draft. And the reason why I picked Darren Lee, uh, he's no longer in the NFL. Right. I believe he had about two, about two years with the Jets and he was gone and the Chiefs signed him for a season or two. And that was about it. Never amounted to much uh, in terms of just stats. He didn't wind up being our Ryan Shazier. That's basically what he was likened to. You know, a lot of people were thinking he was going to be, oh, he's the next in mobile linebacker slash coverage linebacker. And he just never, it never panned out. Uh, And the reason why he's three is because here are some of the guys that the Jets passed up on. All right. That they could have had in 2016. All right. The very next pick, Will Fuller to the Texans. Um. The 27th overall pick, Kenny Clark to the Packers. The 34th overall pick to the Cowboys, Jalen Smith, who's still in the league, still doing okay, a linebacker. The 37th overall pick, Chris Jones of the Chiefs. The 38th overall pick, Xavier Howard to the Dolphins. The 45th overall pick, Derrick Henry. The 47th overall pick, Michael Thomas. And then finally, I'll stop here. The 52nd overall pick, Deion Jones. So you have two linebackers taken after Darren Lee that 
are still in the league and still pretty damn good. And then you have um, just a variety of Pro Bowl slash all pro players that are taken after Darren Lee. So bad pick. Bad pick. And that's number three on the list. That's number three. Uh, now, th- this is very difficult for me. All right. So it comes down to it for this next this next pick. It's a, it's a two horse. It's a, really just a two horse race. All right. And I'm going to surprise people. All right. I'm going to say the second worst one is Vernon Golston. And Vernon Golston, as every Jet fan knows, was god awful. He literally was a DN from Ohio State. Again, the same worry that we had with those Ohio State players is because we're scarred. We're scarred for life because of these these incidents. He, as a D end, right? You're supposed to do what? What's your main job? Pressure the quarterback. Pressure the quarterback. <laughs> get get, get after the quarterback. Get after. Right? That's what you're getting paid the big bucks for. How many sacks did Vernon Golston get in the NFL? Zero. <laughs> he got. Zero sacks in the NFL. Zero. His great, great stat line. 45 games, 42 tackles, zero sacks. As the sixth, excuse me, fourth overall pick, I believe, uh, at that time. He had a freaky pro day. Some of the players that went after him. Jared Mayo, uh, Mayo to the Patriots, the 10th overall. Ryan Clady, Broncos, 12th. Jonathan Stewart, Panthers, DRC uh, at 16th, 20th overall. Akib Tlaib, 24th overall. Chris Johnson, uh, 26th overall. Dwayne Brown, 44th overall. Matt Forte, 49th. Deshaun Jackson. And worst of all, 55th, Calais Campbell. Mm. All right. So that one for me, believe it or not, is going to finish number two. Despite him being the worst in terms of pick, uh, in terms of production as a pro, he's second because of who is passed up for number one here. All right. So number one for the biggest bust in Jets uh, draft history in the past 20 years, first overall, uh, first draft picks, is Dwayne Robertson, Kentucky D-tackle. His career stat line, he had 278 tackles, 16 sacks. He was picked fourth overall, I believe. And he was seen as this guy that's going to be a transcendent talent, you know, pretty big body. Everyone basically thought like they were getting the next Warren Sapp, you know, a guy that could rush the passer, all that type of stuff. Do everything that you needed. The reason why this man is number one is because of who they did not pick out of the following picks. And it's brutal. It's brutal. Ninth overall, Kevin Williams. Pretty good D-tackle. Better career than uh, Dwayne Robertson. Tenth overall. This is the worst one. Terrell Suggs. You know how we could have maybe paired Jonathan Abraham with Terrell Suggs? Rushing the passer, perhaps? Holy smokes. And having Sean Ellis there, too. Um, Eleventh overall, Marcus Trufant. 16th overall, Troy Palomalu. 18th overall, Calvin, Calvin Pace. 24th, Dallas Clark. 27th, Larry Johnson. 31st, Namdi Asmoa. 35th, Peanut Tillman. 34th, excuse me, 54th, Anquan Bolden. And 56th, O.C. Yuminyora. 
So, yeah, Dwayne Robertson, you are the biggest bust, in my opinion, <laughs> when you don't have any of those guys. Excuse me, when you have all those guys you could have taken uh, before him. So I get need. I get trying to do a, have an impact, but you got potential of basically three Hall of Famers on there, and uh, you missed on that guy. That's too bad. Yeah, well, luckily for me, I mean, on misses, so I had Eli Apple and Evan Ingram, really the biggest miss. I just remember Eli Apple was, I wanted them to take Tunsil. That's probably the only big miss on that, and it's really because he got caught smoking a bong earlier that day and when a few picks yep. after the Giants, infamously, uh, people are hoping, I know Giants fans are hoping that, uh, you know, Panay Sewell has the same kind of video leaked out on draft day. I won't hold my breath, but it's definitely a chance. Uh, he got taken at 13. And then in 2017, and I remember this distinctly over Evan Ingram. I know we were linked to potentially trading up to OJ Howard. So I was very surprised that we took Evan Ingram. I really didn't know anything about him. Um, there were a few guys that I thought we were going to take defensively. I thought Jabril was a candidate who went two picks later, who we ended up getting anyway. So fine, whatever. But Trey white and uh, TJ Watt, not, not too bad of candidates behind them that uh, would have done us just well. So, uh, I remember both of them were into ties. It was an uh, obviously a linebacker, TJ Watt. We also needed some edge presence at the time in 2017. We needed anything at that time. Yeah. And um, Trey White. But, yeah, nothing too significant, as significant. Obviously, yours is a little more dated, so there's some Hall of Famers in there. But, you know, speaking of Hall of Famers, we'll go to the positives here, and we'll go to the, uh, the, the plus side of our draft picks in the first round of the last 20 years. And uh, this is a 1A and 1B for me again, mainly because the 1B – should be the 1A, but it technically, it technically doesn't count. So uh, I would say, I guess, by rule here, I got to say Phillip Rivers. He was he was the Giants draft pick, but really that Eli Manning pick. Either way, pretty good pick. Pretty good move the way it all worked out. So that'll be the 1B because that's an easy way out. Uh, I don't know how Giants fans are going to feel about this, but I think this one's actually pretty easy. Um, JPP, another honorable mention. I love JPP. Great career. Shockey's in there. But I think Odell. I think I, I think it's got to be Odell over his career with the Giants. If you look at his numbers, people aren't going to love it. I love Saquon as well. Just in terms of what I've seen so far with the most body of work, obviously I think the real answer should be the quarterback from 2004. It should be Eli or Phillip Rivers. But just talking, you know, in logistics of a guy who's been on the Giants, you know, Odell had a shitty ending, well, with the Giants and the way everything shook out. But the Giants were dead in the water there for like three years. Everything was weird about them after that Super Bowl run. It was the same cycle after 2007 where Eli was on the hot seat, Coughlin was on the hot seat, same old same, when's this all changing, blah, blah, blah. They can't win, they can't win, they can't win. And then Odell just bursted on the scene in 14, um, and he was dealing with an injury. Obviously, everyone remembers the catch, but, I mean, his first three seasons are absolutely ridiculous. Uh, 91 receptions his rookie year in 12 games, 96 and 15 uh, 15 games in 2015, and then 101 in, uh, in 2016 in a full season played. Over 1,300 yards in each. Um, I mean, these are ridiculous. His longest in two of those seasons were over 80. One with, The other one was 75, and over double-digit touchdowns in all three. Hard to compete with that. I, I mean, ungodly numbers. He was breaking Randy Moss records. Obviously, he didn't finish that way, but in terms on who the Giants hit on, I think if you told them, and, and look, and I want to tie that, into really this year because they have another decision to make at receiver and potentially drafting one. I mean, if you would have told me based on the Giants drafting other skill positions that we would get fucking wide receiver, right? 
the only time we did it, I'd be like, you're crazy. I mean, when Odell got drafted, I was like, I know only his one-handed catches in the Outback Bowl uh, with LSU. I remember he had an infamous one in the bowl game. And he had something else uh, early in the season against Alabama. But I was like, I don't really know him. I just know he's got huge hands and, you know, he's super fast and athletic. God, did I not realize he's going to score 35 touchdowns in three seasons for the Giants. Uh, really, dude, I just want to give credit to it. He failed in the postseason, but um, – you know, while he was with the Giants, he was our offense. And we've been lacking something like that since he's been gone. And we think we found it with Galladay. But, you know, the presence of a true dominant number one receiver hasn't been the same since Odell was on the team. And obviously it hasn't panned out for him in Cleveland. But, you know, you can't say enough for what he did those first three years with the Giants. Obviously rookie of the year, but just ungodly numbers. I mean, those are just stupid numbers, those first three seasons. Yeah, it's, that's definitely – it's an interesting choice. I am kind of surprised just because I'm sure that there's a number of Giants fans that have a bad taste in their mouth because of the whole divorce. And uh, he had a tumultuous time in New York with the media and everything that went down uh, leading up to that contract extension. I mean, but, the, the thing I mean, is, in terms of talent – I mean, it's hard to compete. Obviously, the quarterback, 2004, you want to say Phillip or Eli is the 1-1, one, one, but that's too easy. And I've already def uh, defended Eli this episode. You got Shockey. Yeah, sure. I mean, Kiwanuka is my guy, but like some of these guys, even Knicks, like you go from taking Akeem Knicks and then you take a guy like Odell Beckham. It's like polar opposites. I mean, Knicks sure. was with the Giants longer, made some impactful plays in the postseason, but Again, I, I'm just looking at this straight on who you hit on. I, I think they hit on Saquon, too. Obviously, he hasn't panned out. I would have said Saquon. I mean, to draft a guy, I'm looking at this as you draft a guy, that year you draft him, he's NFL ready and starts compete, competing at an elite level. That's right. a hit. I mean, that's sure. probably that's what you're looking for. You know what I mean? You, from the defensive side of the ball, you're looking what the Steelers got with TJ Watt. That's why I mentioned Ingram. You draft a guy, you're like, oh, maybe he could pan out. And then you're just like, uh... So, like, is this guy, like, the best defensive end in the NFL? Like, is Odell right. really a transcendent player? Like, every kid's going to start whipping. And, like, I think it all got to Odell's head, too. I, I mean, that – that the, the thing is, the falling out with him, I'm not as bitter about it because I saw the writing on the wall. Everyone was is, is still mad at Gettleman about it, uh, about, you know, we didn't sign him to trade him. Like, how did you not know that was, like, a lie? Like, I'm sorry. Like people believe the press conference talk a little too much. It, it's, it's just not there. It, it just wasn't there. It was time for him to go. The, it was tension between the team. It, again, for all the energy he brought when he first got there and changed this offense and polarized it, the, the last two seasons of his career were, were the exact opposite. So I try to remember those two, three, like all moments. Like when he was on the giant, it was like, I, the Ravens game, the Ravens game, any giant fan will tell you it was, if we keep this game within seven, not only Eli's going to bring us back, we can literally score a touchdown from anywhere on this field by just throwing the ball to Odell. That's a feeling you don't, you just don't get with certain players, man. It's a special talent. So uh, no, it's not a popular choice, but I'm going to give credit to Odell. He needs some love. We've had a long day in uh, you know, giants Twitter. I'm sure this will send them into a spiral too, for any of them listening, but I'll show love to Odell. Let's show love to Odell today. Fair enough. It's an interesting choice. I mean, you can't deny the first three years, though. You can't. I I never was a big fan of him just because of the antics, but you can't deny the talent that he, that he showed. It's really unfortunate to see kind of where he's, you know, well, fell look, off the past and, couple of years. Injuries compare, doesn't don't help. They want to compare Edelman's playoff numbers to Jerry Rice. Well, it's like, I mean, I always looked at Odell's career. Say what you want about him, but 
when you're literally the only one next to Randy Moss, yeah. like in trajectory, pretty damn good. Pretty damn, yep. damn good start to your career. Obviously hasn't panned out in injuries and he's a bonehead. He's a knucklehead, but you know, in terms of hitting, obviously Eli or Phillip rivers is the one, one, um, some honorable mentions there, but I think Odell stands out. I think Odell stands out for me. All right. Well, makes sense. So this is for the jets, right? So it's, I don't want to take the easy one. And I think the easiest one, and I, I think that most of, well, it could be two, two courses of action because one's a very big fan favorite. And then the other one is I think a fan favorite, but just going to be a hall of famer. Um, so let's just start with number three. Uh, and number three, technically I got to go back 21 years, but, uh, in the 2000 draft, John Abraham, uh, a guy that everyone has been saying, we haven't had a pass rusher since John Abraham and the jets of course decided to part ways with him, uh, after only five years of his service, um, and then he just went on to, you know, get 133 sacks or 133 and a half sacks over his career, uh, moving on with the Falcons and free agency, I believe, and then briefly with the Cardinals to end his career. So uh, John Abraham at number three, I think, is a pretty safe pick uh, as one of the biggest hits. Um, now, this is where it gets difficult. Uh, my guy is Revis. But a big fan favorite favorite is Nick Mangold. Mm. And uh, and DeBrickashaw was a hit. And you could look at the past. You could argue, right? That's had a really, run there, can't be. Three, three of the last four years. I mean, they got Jamal Adams. Yep. They got Quinn in the two years. I mean, the year after Darnold. And then they got Makai Becton last year. Makai Becton could wind up being, you know, the, the potential is there. The ceiling's there. Quinnen also potential ceiling all there. So maybe 10 years down the line, we're saying those guys' names. It hasn't all but, been bad. I mean, not for no. now. Like with the Giants, I mean, the Giants' first round pick, I mean, legitimately, the Giants' second round is always better than their first round. Like it's yeah. not even close. The Jets have picked high enough in the first round. The talent's never in question. Like you're drafting good, good caliber NFL players. It's the longevity. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, in the last, let's, let's talk this, right? In the last 20, one years they've picked in the top five five times uh they've picked in the top six <laughs> there we go the white line i was like hey, it's only five times two times after that so so you got seven times where they're in the top six uh in the last 21 20 years excuse me um not exactly great but when they've been there, uh, they haven't done terribly. The first 10 years, not great. They got Dwayne Robertson, like I said. They got DeBrickashaw two years later. Um, then they got Vernon Golston, and then they did Mark Sanchez. So half. They're going 50% there almost. Um, yeah, not even, like 25%. Uh, so that doesn't help. It's mangled, though. I think you're right, but I think Revis takes the cake. Oh, no. For me, yeah, Revis. Revis all the way. Biggest hit at uh, four, 14 overall. And Mangold, for the value, I mean, 29th overall for a guy that 
mm-hmm. was stalwart and a leader and really basically was the heart and soul of that ground and pound era with Rex. And obviously, you know, uh, Thomas Jones for that season and then Sean Green, Tomlinson the year after. So you, uh, Mangold, I think, is number two, but Revis Island, the most valuable defensive player uh, in the NFL for a number of seasons, in my opinion. Maybe it's biased, but he did things that nobody had done before him. uh, And I would argue has not done since. I know they bring up Richard Sherman and, and so on. I think they do. Richard Sherman is great in his own right. I just think they do different things very well and they're different athletes. So uh, Revis just always just had a knack for shutting down the best option uh, on a team. And he just did it so well, especially in those two AFC championship runs. It was on another level. Uh, And so multiple times a year, can't be. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Randy Moss, the uh, Chad Johnson, you got Andre Johnson, you got. There's the you graphic. Know. There's like a graphic. That, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, it was on Twitter, The you know, just around a couple days would, ago. Uh, if I'm a Jet fan, I'd retweet that every week if I could. I know. Well, yeah, we're just waiting. We're waiting for it again. Um, so, I mean, he he's hands down. I mean, that's the thing. The thing we talked about before, right? Uh, University of Pittsburgh, sneakily, if you put their 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 first round picks or their their athletes in the past – let's say 15 years up against anybody's. I mean, you got Revis, you got Darnold and uh, goodness. What's the, uh, I forgot the other guy. Uh, I don't know what Aaron Donald's from Pitt though. So <laughs> yeah, he's Pitt. No, I know Aaron Donald, Revis. Aaron Donald. Oh, why can't I think I know. Uh, I think I'll have to oh, come. James Conner, James Conner, shout out to Pitt. James Conner just signed with the Cardinals. Eh, well, that's great. That's, I mean, so great. That, that's not who I was thinking of him. Um, it'll it'll come to me after the pod. So I'm be also really like pissed. spaced out here. I, I I do want to kind of put a bow on this, and uh, let's touch on this last thing we want to get to real quick. I know mine will be fast because um, I'm making light of it, but let's go through it and think about the past Jets players. We can go top three again if you'd like, but I'm sure you'd like to add Revis back to this team. But we'll go back to the future here. If you could add a former Jet player to the current depth chart, um, doesn't have to be one. It could be a collective group if you'd like, um, but who would it be? Who would it be? Uh, yeah, for me, for this current squad, it would solve a lot of issues. It Again, I think it comes down to those two that I mentioned in the last. Uh, if yeah. you get Nick Mangold for this offensive line, it looks very different, and you can also approach the draft in a much different way. Not, not necessarily a much different way, but you don't have to expend, expend so much capital, I think, in offensive line help if you have a guy like Nick Mangold and then obviously Mackay Becton uh, at the left tackle position, you just need to really figure out, you know, you have George Fan at right tackle, whatever. I, I don't see him as the future or anything, but he could probably be a decent, whatever plug and play uh, type of guy at right tackle. And so you figure out those guard positions and you got a great leader that can lead the way and help out to just mold that offensive line into something dangerous. However, to really help out with the draft and avoid expending uh, different assets. you If you have Darrell Revis and you put him in Salah's scheme, then you have an almost seamless transition from San Francisco 
to the Jets. And you add in, obviously, the additions that they brought with Carl Lawson, Sheldon Rankins, the D-line shaping up nicely. Linebacker, they have some guys that they're going to move around and figure out. But if you have Revis there and Marcus May on the back end, you're halfway to a pretty damn good uh, secondary. And bless Austin and and those guys, uh, excuse me, and uh, Bryce Hall, could probably slot in pretty well at the number two position, especially if you're working those two guys there. You could throw bodies at the situation and just have them grow a bit, especially under the tutelage of a guy like Darrell Revis. So uh, Revis, hands down, I think is the the case in point. Back to the future choice for the Jets. Yeah, mine's mine's real easy. Just give me the 2007 DNs. I mean, Tuck actually <laughs> ran up the middle uh, as like a nose tackle on that D because OC and Strahan were causing so much. Yeah, damage. NASCAR package. I remember it. Yeah, so you know, I, I could take just OC and Strahan, and I think that makes our life a lot easier. Leonard Williams would have a great time uh, with those two on the outside of him. But if I could get all three, I don't want to be selfish. If I could get all three, I'll take it. I'll take a young Justin Tuck up the middle too. If you if you gun to your head, if you had to pick one, who would you take out of that? Strahan, OC, Tuck. I'm taking Michael. Yeah, I'm taking Michael. Mike. Yeah, I loved OC. I loved OC, and I love Tuck because of what he was able to do after those guys were there. Like we never, you know, had a worry with Justin Tuck. I love this face guard and everything, but Michael Strahan, man. I remember I took a trip to Giant Stadium in like second grade, first grade, something like that. And all you ever heard about was Strahan and like his like uh, his body mass, his like body right. mass, his BMI body mass index. They're like, yeah, this guy like doesn't have a thing of fat on him, basically. Like they're just <laughs> like that. I remember hearing that as like a toddler. I'm like, is that possible? Like I was like, how does someone not have fat on them? And it's like, no, like the guy was a a freak of nature like michael shran was the first guy i think i saw that i was like wow like jesus like this guy i'm like up to his kneecap like you know like i'm like my god this guy's gigantic so um yeah no i definitely take shran but yeah anyone on the d-line any on any of those three guys could help this team significantly this year because we're still just missing that uh outside rushing pressure uh presence um it would help leonard a lot and this defense is already so fucking good that if they had that forget it um but all right, that's that. That was a good one. Uh, a lot had to be said. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be more to be said uh, in the weeks ahead. We obviously have the draft coming up in two weeks, so we'll get to that stuff. Uh, but so far, so good with this one. I liked it a lot. Campy, thank you for coming on. Uh, this was great. Uh, anytime. Uh, love to vent on some of the idiocy that's out there in the world, especially in the world of football. So this was a lot of fun. So yeah, thanks, don't Rob. do drugs. Don't do drugs and tweet, guys. Don't do drugs and just get out there and start putting Julian Edelman takes out there. That's just not good news. But all right, Campy, thank you. <laughs> that interview with Bill Campy was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Big shout out to Bill Campy for coming on as always. A lot to talk about today, guys. That was a longer interview than I thought, a longer discussion than I thought. But um, damn it, people and their Julian Edelman takes just ruin everything. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at NYFootballPod as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. Like, download, rate, and subscribe on all podcast platforms, guys. I appreciate you tuning in every week. Keep listening. Keep following. Love you guys. Appreciate it. Stay safe. Talk to you next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.